Hello and thank you for tuning in and listening to the Mint Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We are Sean, Sarah and myself, Dave, focusing on Everton, culture, a variation of football talking points from quick insights to in-depth discussion topics. Memories edition, part two. Russian roulette. Kanchelskis free-for-all proves a Russian's key data is assists and goals and not your voting record. And Aussie causing anarchy in the away end. I should be so lucky. Kale, the perennial poacher. And from goals at the Gladders to goalless against the Gunners, it's Arrivederci as caretaker under the presence of the professor and a little bottle of Buenos Sera from Big Duncan. It's Mint's podcast. So, Sean, tell us about your lasting memory. Of your player eulogy. Okay, I've chosen um, corner flag knockout king and my second favourite Australian of all time, Timothy Villiga Cahill. Who's your first? Thank you, Callie Minogue. I was hoping <laughs> Another great goal scorer. I thought yeah. you were going to say Mark Viduka. Yeah, Callie's first, obviously. Sorry, Tim, but uh, yeah. Tim, you're in second, but my, fo- my most favourite Evertonian from Australia. So the most memorable moment for me, I want to kind of take you back to January 2009. Uh, the 19th of January is so three days after my birthday. We were away at Anfield, so I'm already setting the scene there. I'm in second year to uni. I've wasted all my money on Bjornborg, Fila, Tracky Tops and I got my brand new Luke jacket on that I was so proud of. I spent half my maintenance fee on for uni. And it was the first time I've ever been to uh, Anfield away. Super excited. So at the time, Liverpool were under Benitez. They had uh, Steven Gerrard, obviously, at the time. Uh, they were top of the league coming out of Christmas. And uh, Torres was still there at the time. So even though I'm not the biggest fan of Liverpool... Uh, I was looking forward to seeing those players in action because I don't think I'd seen Torres before and I always appreciate uh, a good, graceful footballer and he was on fire um, that season as well. And uh, a few comments a week before were, came from Sir Alex Ferguson about Benitez cracking up with the facts. So all this... Cracking up, cracking up, deep, Benitez cracking <laughs> up. Too many, like a lot of different aspects going on. I know we were kind of just bobbing along as normal. We weren't neither good nor bad at, at that time. So Howard Webb was refereeing the game and obviously going into Anfield, it's a, an interesting atmosphere for obviously Evertonians who have been to that away fixture. Obviously, we're the minority in that respect across the park. First half was mainly Liverpool. It was kind of like a cagey affair as normal. And during that season, I think we drawn them in the cup as well. So we played them quite a number of times, like home and away. Anyway, gets into the second half and it's still nil-nil and uh, Gerard sticks one in the bottom corner at the cop end. It just goes silent and then just three quarters of the stadiums erupting. You're questioning yourself, why on earth did I even bother coming today? <laughs> like, <laughs> first this ever is away last dog. week or is this? <laughs> no, the 2009. Old oh, right, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And you're like, it's Steven Gerrard of all people. And it's just like, although all that chaos was going on around us, like in the away end, all I could hear was like silence. And, like, I didn't want to accept what had just happened. And, like, the cracking of seats, because we were all stood up, lads breaking them. Anyway, it's getting into, like, late in the game. And a reason why I feel so much love for Tim Cale. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really cagey affair. I think Torres ends up going off. 
And like Liverpool are just hanging on. I think they threw on Lucas or something to kind of close up the game under Benitez, you know, where he's like quite tactical. So building the sort of tension now, I think it's sort of like mid 80s minute, like 85, 86 minutes. And uh, someone's fouled in the corner. I can't remember who it was, but Arteta's sat like right by the away fans at the Anfield Road end, I think it is. He rips in the, the free kick and I mean, he levers it, it like just into a crowd of bodies crowd crowd of bodies just like all around pepe reina and like i didn't even see what happened like the atmosphere just went completely silent and you could hear the net ripple and it's there it is 1-1 it's that man tim cahill and those smiles have turned to frowns but it's evertonians who are delighted here and david moyes in particular and then Tim Cale comes peeling off celebrating once we've realised it's all in the net and it's like a bloody war zone people flying down the seats piling over each other lads trying to run on the pitch it was, was this like, the one where he was like pointing at the fans as he was running off Like he was he, yeah he like kind of you know he wanted to go and punch the corner flag but like lads were trying to get on the pitch and stewards were trying to keep him off and the level yeah. like it just went it was just chaos and like sort of euphoria at the time was like it was just relief that just was in the away end it? yeah yeah just it's just everywhere. it's just madness and then um, that sort of relief and then realising oh, okay let's try and like he didn't even try and run to the corner to punch it he kind of went that way and was just like okay no let's just run back to the halfway line and let's try and get another one <laughs> and obviously it didn't happen in the end but like that sort of cement, like, probably my most memorable Tim Cale moment I've had ever. And it was, like, that joy that he brought me on that day was superb. So is that is that what connected you to him as a player? Or, or was there other things before that that sort so, of yeah, like touched that. on that connection, but that, that was the most, like, euphoric moment of that connection? So in relation to what connected me to him, it, it was that obviously that joy and that emotion coming out of me. Like you can only feel like so much love <laughs> for someone giving you that moment. But like just in every game, he was an un- uncompromising player. Like he, <laughs> I like to describe him as a sort of round, round out a style. Like like Thomas Muller in a way. He didn't like you can't really put a bit. I know he was a midfielder, but he just got into these like a weird shadow space. striker, wasn't he? Like yeah. a shadow striker. Great player, consistent as well, wasn't he? Oh yeah. It's like, funny because it's sad, really, because what my my sort of last memory of Kale is that last season, and he pitted off. He was injured, and he didn't score. He had a long period where he didn't score at all. I think it was like he went like October to like February or something where he didn't mm-hmm. score. But I think only Tim Kale could go through like a period like that, not yeah. score. And everybody and remembers a, those moments, Sean. Yeah, he surprises you. And he was a big game, wasn't he, Sarah? Like, that overhead kick against, like, Chelsea. Like, big teams. Like, Man City, a couple of goals. and I think like, he's a great shout because he's an Evertonian. You can just tell, can't you, with Cahill. Oh. He, he's an Evertonian, Sean. I, I mean, yeah, he's the ultimate, he, isn't he? He stands up for us on BBC, doesn't he? <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, he's there he in the press at the minute. And that is the yeah. lasting memory I'll, like, have of him. Um Getting on to the end of an Arteta cross and obviously but later in his career with uh, Leighton being that guy and um, putting it in and punching the corner flag and sort of playing every week, um, rain or shine, he gave his all for Everton, he was iconic 
And, it, and when he kissed the badge, you know he meant it, didn't you? Talking about, you, know, you touched on Mikel Arteta a couple of times there, and your specific most memorable sort of moment kind of includes Mikel Arteta, doesn't it, Sarah, a little bit, in regards to your specific moment is maybe not something that you would specify with this player overall, but it's without a doubt an incredibly key moment in our most recent history anyway. Very much intertwined, yeah, intertwined with Arsenal's history as well, you know, significant for both clubs. Uh, My moment is the Arsenal game and it was Ferguson's last game with the attendance of Carlo Ancelotti for the first time and Arteta, so they were both in the stands. Pretty dull game, scrappy. (laughs) Gold Um, bonanza, wasn't it? Not memorable in the slightest, but I'd walked round the park end before we'd gone in and I'd seen a glimpse of Mashiri and Kemwright pulling in the same car. I'm not quite sure why that moment has stuck with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was lucky. Was I Blue can't belt. remember. <laughs> Probably a clown car when it was... <laughs> <laughs> Ice cream, ice cream van. Yeah. So we'd um, sort of linger in. I don't normally linger. You know, we normally just go straight in. But we decided, I think it was really just on the off chance that we might actually see Carlo. Because at this point, until I had seen him, I was still refusing to believe that Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> yeah. was our manager. So I, need, I needed to see him. And we missed him. I think he must have come in. Goodison Roadside. Yeah, so that was a moment I remember seeing Mashiri going into the into the ground and then knowing that Carla was in attendance. The game absolutely dire. I think there was a cut there was a free kick from Sigurdsson. I think it almost almost went in, sort of pulled a little bit away and Yeah. A, a save by Pickford, a couple of it was just scrappy. It was Both it was teams you know what it was. Like they were yeah. Well, Ferguson looked like it was kind of like they were Playing to keep up the non-losing record under him, and it, um, yeah. was Jungberg in charge. Here? He was still he was still in charge. Yeah, so time, I imagine for Arsenal it was weird because Arteta was the guy who I thought I wanted, and so I know Arsenal was sort of going through that strange um, limbo as well. You know, after Wenger had obviously been there that that long stretch of time for them and then I feel like they didn't quite know what to do so they were sort of in a similar position to us Is it the lasting impression is it is it the lasting impression that Ferguson had or is it the sort of integration of new era Everton and the way Ferguson by, not bypasses he emerges all of these transition periods together doesn't he? Yeah, what it was after that game, it was one era of Everton Football Club looking directly up at another. And so what you had is was this major crossover of of history, but we could actually witness it, one looking at the other and the significance of that with also the fact that you knew for me when Ferguson took over he had the ability to make those decisions, but with he he also knows the expectation that Everton Football Club has, and that the the fans have. So 
I, I felt like he knew exactly what to do and you trusted that everything that he did, those decisions that he made during that period of time, were with the club's best interests at heart. At the, at the end of the day, that was basically reassuring to me and seeing both of them at the ground that day it was it, absolutely bizarre scenario. Are you proud that well yeah. Ferguson has... He was not... Um, he was not protective over the chalice of being manager, was he? He just wanted not the best all. for Everton Football Club. Yeah, and in a way, that's how you know that everything he does is in in yeah. order that the club moves forward and it is the best decision that the club can possibly make. Um, I'm here for Everton. I'm here for as long as they want me here. Um, I'm sure they're out there um, looking for their candidates, and rightly so. We want the best the best guys in the world managing our football club. But this was just an incredible experience for me, one that nobody can ever take away from me. Did you feel like any sort of change in emotion, Sarah? Because I know I definitely did at that time, seeing Duncan on the sideline. It felt like Everton was getting back to being Everton, didn't it, at that time? Yeah, it needed it, and he did. He, he steered the ship, didn't he? I think Carlo even said that. I think that was a statement mm. that he made after he did everything he needed to do. I mean, I think we were actually... Relegation was 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 at that point, wasn't it? We were four points off from the relegation zone. It, I mean, I mean, it, it was, was pretty tight, dire, wasn't it? Wasn't we it? Were, I think we were in the bottom... We, I mean, it's we that, in, yeah, we were like 17th or something. Definitely in the bottom yeah. three during I'm that sure period. we were. It was knocking on the door, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that, again... Yeah, I think if somebody with with Ferguson's history to the club and the character that he has hadn't stepped in at that point, I having seen that team play, I've never seen anything like that team for a long time, and I I think they were definitely relegation material because there was there was no drive, there was no fight. You can sort of you can give a pass on on someone when they maybe lack an ability but they also they try yeah. you know there's a there's a willingness and a a drive to want to to um commit to the team and i don't think at that at that time um the team had any of that and i've i've but, seen some terrible teams and that team had what it takes <laughs> to be in a relegation battle yeah. and not win do you find that that lasting memory all that most most memorable moment coincides with a lasting memory. So, we, I mean, you can't even pinpoint an individual Ferguson moment out of all the moments, but because that was like the moment we all became emotional about Everton again, wasn't it? I remember apathy for the whole, for like, honestly, since like sort of three or four years, I had just apathy for Everton and Ferguson kind of reignited emotion. He's he's the epitome of the club, isn't he? To me, anyway, uh, and it it did exactly that. It 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 took me back to it had that nostalgic element, didn't it? It takes you back to that moment, but wasn't it somewhat significant that it was Ferguson that had done that? Just Felt like yeah, the, yeah. The, it, it couldn't the, have been worked out more more perfectly, could it? Like I know he didn't leave too long, but it felt like the prodigal son, like coming back to save us in a way. So, in terms of obviously, you've got a very, very back end Ferguson sort of a sort of a connection with your memory. My personal 
sort of player eulogy goes to my what is he's probably my my favourite ever Everton player is Nick Barmby uh, co- co- Comrade Kanchelskis um, Nick Barmby yeah um, Comrade Kanchelskis so Andre Kanchelskis to be honest with you having the most memorable moment that I've ever had as an Evertonian played with Duncan you know and and I believe, you know, my memory of that period is Duncan and Kinchelskis and Unsworth in that in that grey and white away kit with white shorts. Um, it was that one with the dan- the danker across the front. Um, and weirdly enough, at, um, for this particular memory, Ferguson, um, I don't think Ferguson even played. It wasn't even in the lineup. It's just back in the day when we had players like sort of Tony Grant and John Eberle Roman our midfield. Ooh, we finished, all our yes we finished, Yeah, all our and we finished sixth. But my my specific memory is the five two win against uh, away against Sheffield Wednesday in ninety six back end of the season. This was kind of like a not a bit of a nothing game. I think Wednesday had, had pretty much stayed up. They hadn't quite made the forty point mark, but I think a couple of teams weren't doing quite well enough, and they took an early lead. Um, Jeff Hurst. Um, weirdly <laughs> enough though and I don't know why I had a Sheffield Wednesday top with Guy Whittingham on the back and I don't know where I got that from I don't know who bought me that shirt and I remember we were sat in the we were sat in the home end and I remember it was four goals in the first 20 minutes it was just like it was just galazzos everywhere and Amakachi opened the scoring for, for us not for the match, just for, for our sort of real of the day. But Kinchelskis was absolutely unplayable. He was just he was mesmerising. And this is kind of probably one of my first actual sort of really complex memories where I can remember quite a lot of it. Um, you know, I was seven or eight. And he managed to hit the woodwork, had the goal disallowed, scored a hat-trick and set up a goal. And at this time, this is when I was just sort of finding in like junior football a position where I wanted to play. And Andre Kinchelskis made me want to be a winger, just out and out winger. <laughs> and I wanted, I, and and I became a centre half. So, it, you know, you know, dreams don't always come true, but you can you can you can you can imagine the disappointment when I ended up being a centre half with Kinchelskis seventeen on the back of me top, but. It was just, it was one of those standout days for me with, you know, with me and my dad and my brother in the home end at Sheffield Wednesday as away fans. Ventures pass, but a beautiful pass. Kanchelskis. A man's on fire at the moment. In 21 minutes. And again, he's really having quite an effect in the centre of midfield. And Chelsea to see the whites of the goalkeeper's eyes. He's a one-man demolition team, Andre Kanchelskis. There's rhino charges by David Unsworth. Kanchelskis, a bit far out. He's going to try for his hat-trick. Oh, and he scored his hat-trick. Outrageous finishing. When you look back at that footage of Kanchelskis now, He's such a modern player, isn't he? Because oh yeah, why strikers are they just? It's just He's it's just a common forward, thing now. Yeah. But that type of player with a classic four four two, which was predominantly what what it was then, wasn't it? Mm. Whereas now, 
he he just seems so progressive in his style of play. He's he's got that yeah. Richarlison edge, hasn't he? But he was strong. Kanchelskis, oh, he was, and he, he like was, a rocket, wasn't he? He was rapid. He was so rapid, and I remember he was one of the first like he was one of the first players I'd ever seen live slow the ball down to pretty much a complete standstill because he was so electric off the mark. He was able to just knock the ball in a direction past him. And you're looking, you, if you look back on his goals, a lot of my memories of Kanchelskis have been cutting inside on his left. You know, he was from, he um, wasn't from too, too far away from Chernobyl, you know, in, in regards to being from the Ukraine, but he played for the Soviet Union. So they were, and I think this was kind of back when they were, they, they were pretty decent. They had some all right, all right players coming out. And he, but for him, it, he being from Russia, he was not only he come from United, yeah, but it was this distant nowhere place that I didn't know anything about. You could you could didn't go on Aldi there, nothing. He was just this really unique individual when I used to watch him. I fell I fell in love with him. Still in love with him now. So why do you think I'm, we sold him? Because he he left. He went to Fiorentina, didn't he? Why do you think? Because it was strange, wasn't it? He just we sort of got rid of him. He stuttered a bit, didn't he? I think he yeah. stuttered a bit. You think he scored fifteen or sixteen goals in his first season? Unbelievable first season. I think after that, it really he, he struggled to kick on in the second season. But you know, some stars burn bright. That's the way. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, some stars burn bright. I put that down to like the odd, odd uh, signings and sells that Everton have. Alan Ball <laughs> being one, Cancelsis being Cancelsis yeah, being the that. other. I, I'm, I'm, I will, I'll die on this hill. He is in the same bracket as any, but any other for that period of time. Incredible. You can, like, I know this is going to be slightly off topic, but it's just crossed my mind. Then you can definitely see his influence on like Giggsy when you say that about him cutting in on his left yeah. on like a young Ryan Giggs being at United and obviously mm. um, him leaving us uh, to wherever he went and yeah, and, Giggs and was... this Limpar was it coming in yeah, oh Limpar oh Limpar he was my was, god yeah yeah. Lim- I mean even that there like and I feel my benchmark for Everton wingers is is confident dribbling at players and, and like you said Sarah looking back now he is and watching footage he could fit into any team now he is timeless. He's a timeless player, and he's so undervalued. You know, we went off to to Fiorentina and had some sort of like you know, and they were having some post battle problems. Like anybody, everybody has post battle problems. If battle leaves your squad, you're having problems. And they were just and, and the only player to score in the Merseyside, the Manchester and the Glasgow derbies. I remember, basically every week on Soccer AM, he was on Showboat every week, like when he mm-hmm. was playing for for Rangers. But those um, goals against Liverpool were just, and I yeah. think Limpar skipped through the midfield, didn't he? And that assist, that to me was just, um, yeah. He, both he, of his he, goals were just he knocks unbelievable. It back. He says in his, uh, he says in his autobiography that his first two goals were the most memorable goals of, and in the most important game. So, and it's funny how you know he'd only been there a, a little while. Yeah, he'd he had a, actually had a scout agent. He was from. He was an Evertonian, and and there was a little bit of naughty going on. How he became an Everton player. So there's a bit of a. There's a Alex Ferguson says in his book that um, some Russian hands him um, a suitcase at an airport to sell. You know, to, and he thought it was originally just sort of a bit of a present um, to sort of get sweetening in for Kanchelskis, uh to come <laughs> to Everton. But he was. T- 
there was always talk on that in the Gladys though about yeah there was always yeah there was always talk about the Russian mafia and and stuff on the Gladys yeah and and you know what just makes good stories doesn't it and whether you're not whether you're whether you're into it or not like Ferguson's telling his stories and Kinchelskis you know he's got stories behind him and he's been it's been my lasting memory of him probably is is genuinely um I know his I know his kid's quite active on Twitter isn't it namesake he, he's he's quite active on Everton Twitter and it, it kind of keeps that, those memories sort of fluent a little bit in your in your mind but I know he's potted around sort of Russian, um, Russian leagues, you know, sort of torpedo Moscow or somebody like that. But lasting memory is him and what he did for wingers. That's my lasting memory of him. Is is he created a new type of player? That's what I feel anyway for me. Absolutely, yeah. One v ones. He is the sound of wooden seats battening against the back. That's his sound. If Andrei Kinchelskis, you could bottle on Andrei Kinchelskis' sound, it would be everybody standing <laughs> up because they're just excited for when he gets the ball. Um, and we have a couple of players like that now. Anthony Gordon, Richarlison, um, you know, and, and it, he was the first player that I remember doing that. So every single time an Everton player got on the ball one-on-one, I see Andrei Kinchelskis. That's, that's all I see. So... For I me. think it's quite easy to take that for granted, the players that you've just, like, obviously you described Kanchelskis, but yeah. the players that he was with, he w- he was playing with at that point, oh, who yeah. seems like a completely foreign body, doesn't he, that he was yeah. in amongst that squad. I think for all of the players we've chosen, though, Kale, Ferguson, Kanchelskis, they all define Everton in a specific way in regards to whether it's talismanic whether it's sort of blood and guts and flair and I feel like if you if, if I think everybody if, if Everton had those three players if you've called your Everton squad around having tricky wingers a number nine and an absolute sort of box to box you know l- loves absolutely loves getting in the box putting in a tackle and I think if you were to put those three players in any Everton squad, it would improve them tenfold without a shadow Absolutely, of a doubt. Yeah. I think wow, that's what, what Carlo's definitely done, hasn't he, this year? There's elements of that there, 100%. Yeah. He's, he's kind of bringing that back and hopefully he brings more of it. Characters exactly, too yeah. as well, though, aren't they? They've yeah, got characters so, within it, within yeah. a squad as well. They are characters, and whether, or they were. Yeah, and whether you, whether you were you know, quiet if you were Kinchelskis on the pitch or whether you were you were... To some extent, a quiet leader like Ferguson was on the pitch and off it. Uh, or Tim Kyle, who clearly was vocal, clearly has got no problem with being vocal, clearly enjoys being vocal with his you know, punditry. And I just think it, it, it allows us to remember players in not necessarily nostalgic ways, but timeless ways as well. Like I think those players, the three players we've mentioned, would fit into a squad in 2025 as much as they did in 2009 or 1996. Definitely. Or, or, yeah, or if you even... watch the footage back as well, like I was looking at Kale goals, obviously, and Duncan and, and obviously Kinchelskis, like you look at some of the goals they score and like in particular for Kale, for me, he was just like Dominic Calvert-Lewin all over. If anything, he can add to his game. 
it's getting those low edders and those mid range edders yeah. that, and the awkward Scrapping. goals and like Scrappy Kale scored goals, so many yeah. one touch finishes. I'm like, but the hell, we've had an Inzaghi mm. previously, but <laughs> people. And I think when you start to think about, you could lift those players from that period and put them into a team now. That means that they are an all round classic player that they they could yeah. they define any era like it's like the classic we don't think about like Alex Young or I mean he could play now couldn't he you could drop him in yeah those players Brian Labone they just they're just football that's it yeah I think timeless with with these three like we you know we didn't we weren't aware of who we were all going to pick beforehand and it's it's just I think the three were going to get picked regardless of who picked each one that I I think you would put twenty Evertonians of our era into a room, and I can and, and I'm pretty sure within that top three of each individual, um, at least one or two of them would pop out there in every single person in every single person's top three. Tell us your top three or your bottom three. Yeah. My bottom three would be no, because <laughs> it's only an hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a bottom seventy-seven. Thanks for tuning into the latest Mint podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and keep up to date with future releases, collaborations, and all things Mint.